in the world's public enemies, Chuck D. Bring the noise. Fifth Podcast Network, I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back ladies and gentlemen, hope all is well, hope all is blessed. We have another interview for you to consume. So, this one's a special one in some, in a lot of ways. Um, so it's the first one, first interview, um, where uh, the featured artwork is taken by me. Um, for those that don't know, I've been on a photography thing for about a year now. Um, have a site for for it um, and basically yeah um, and on top of that um, this is also special because this is my second uh, interview done in person Um, so I went to Camden, Camden Town, North London uh, to link up with a dual artist, uh, singer, songwriter, producer, not necessarily in that order, uh, Mr. Treasure Bloom uh, we linked up uh, and uh, got something to eat, got some food uh, at the Camden Diner. And uh, yeah, just did the interview outside there, as you as you'll easily gather uh, by the by the uh, traffic in the background. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we basically just break bread and, uh, you know, just get the interview kicking. Um, and uh, on top of that, um, he had a performance that night, uh, hence why we did the interview in conjunction with it. Um, and uh, yeah, we talk about that as well. But obviously, the uh, the main meat of the interview is just his beginnings, uh, his roots in music, um, and how he got from there to now. Um, and it's a very interesting story arc, I must say. It's a very fascinating story arc. Um, questions I knew I would ask and got very interesting answers that I wouldn't uh, didn't exactly expect. Um, so. Yeah, and um, I feel like it's a really good interview and uh, just some really good insight um, into an artist that um, I also, if you are unaware, um, I found off the back of another friend of 5e. Um, He, uh, Treasure Bloom, I met uh, initially uh, when I went to see Otis Mensa, friend of 5e Otis Mensa, um, a few months ago in May, I think, and um, kept in contact with him and... uh, you know, another, uh, while I've been on this, you know, kind of interview kick recently um, for another mini project that might be, uh, they'll come soon for you guys, um, you know, hit him up and uh, wanted to get it cracking, and hence we did. Um, so yeah, this is the second one done live, um, and yeah, <laughs> format is before we begin, uh, email, Twitter, this going to equal that, all that in the full show notes, um, and yeah, with that said, grab your snacks. As I'm gonna say again, uh, relax and hope you enjoy the interview. Okay, uh, live from live from the Camden Diner in Camden Town. Uh, we are here with uh, Mr. Treasure Bloom. What is good, sir? Hello, Charlie, how you doing? Yeah, man, we're good, we're good. We're living, about to get some fries and chicken and waffles, so if we get our eat on, just uh, just so you know. Um, grab your snacks, as I always used to, uh, usually say during interviews, but anyway. Uh, we begin where we always begin, which is, as you can imagine, 
the beginning. Uh, so, Mr. Treasure Bloom, where were you born? Uh, what was life like for you growing up? And what was your environment as you grew up? Damn, damn, damn. Well, I, I grew up in London up until the age of 10. Um, in Northwest, I was kind of I was in a very sheltered environment with a, a very strict African father. Um, I would always listen to music at home, a lot of African music, a lot of whatever I could get my hands on. It's usually just MTV or whatever. And yeah, I did, I did not go out. Um, I stayed at home and would only really go out if we had, like, say, some sort of African party to go to. Sure. Um, so, yeah, even though there was a lot of fracas going around in London around that time, like, I know, um, do you remember Kaya? Um, it was a guy who went to, went to, went to school in Edgeware, say, and he got stabbed. Oh, right. Okay. So, um, it was, he played for QPR. Yeah. So, all of that was going on, like, knife crime was rising, but yeah. I was at home. Sure. Doing nothing. Um, but then, when I was when I was ten years old, I moved out of London into a, the quiet suburbs of um, Seabridge. So yeah, very um, very boring sort of flaccid <laughs> upbring upbringing <laughs> in London anyway. You sure, sure. I didn't really get the culture. The culture didn't soak it so deep sure. until later. Yeah. So in that case, I guess more of just like a into rewording it, just like a closeted life in that fashion. Big time. And that was at insistence of the parents. Um, more my my father. Sure. Um, of course, very strict African man, and he liked to be in control of every aspect of all of our lives. Sure. Not not to an extreme case, but enough that um, I wasn't able to actually soak in some of the aspects of London before I moved out. Right. So, <laughs> it makes, uh, going, going down the line in my thought of the interview, I'm just like, okay, a lot of things are starting to connect in terms of uh, what I already know about you, but um, we'll stick with that. Um, so, moving to Stevenage, I guess, what was the, what was the, I guess, uh, obviously you said, you know, suburbs, out of the city, mm -hmm. For those that have done that, such as myself, it's um, regardless of choice or whatever, it obviously is different. And then when you come back to London, it's just, uh, it's, it kind of just hits you different. Um, but what was, I guess, um, did you, in, do you enjoy living in Stevenage and growing up there? Honestly, I loved it. Um, yeah. So, it was completely the opposite of living in London. Sure. Um, I guess it was, in some aspects, a little bit safer. Even though I was, wasn't around much culture, as you would say, um, I was, the environment was more open. Right. There was more I could do, there was more greenery, there was more, more outside playing. Um, I met people I would never would have met. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it, it kind of influenced, influenced my personality, influenced my sort of song choices. Um, it just influenced me overall. Like, okay, let me say this. When I was when I was ten or eleven years old, I wouldn't be listening to hip hop. I wouldn't be listening to any grime that everybody was listening to. I was listening to heavy metal. I was listening to rock and let's say emo music. Fallout Boy were my go-to. Um, <laughs> so as soon as I as soon as I got the musical bug, right. I begged my parents to buy me a guitar. Okay. Just a shitty classical guitar. I just yeah. started. Um, 
Yeah, just writing little terrible songs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what, what age was that around? Um... So that was that period was between the ages of ten to about thirteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's the question I usually ask around uh, around that time is when people usually uh, start. Uh, I mean, for me anyway, um, I've said this before on the pod where like um, I started, I was given what my you know what my father and my mum, my sister were listening to, and that obviously rounded out my childhood. But then once you get into like those teenage years, you start discovering things for yourself. And you've really answered that in obviously listening to what you call emo music. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, so that's a. Uh, that's, I mean, how did the uh, how did the family think about that in terms of that? Because uh, obviously, you're saying your dad straight was so was it considered devil music or any of that? No, you know what? Because <laughs> that satanic panic was real. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of funny um, when we moved to moved to Stephen, she became much more lax. I can see like, okay, maybe this is just a guess, but I feel like the pressures of living in London right. may have been a lot for for a said family. Sure. Um, so when we moved to Stevenage, he, his kind of his reins on what we could do, where mellowed we could out. go, just mellowed out. So I was, he didn't mind. Nobody really minded the fact I was into yeah. heavy metal music or listening to a lot of indie music. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it was, good. It was it was a good period of my life where I actually learned how to be free and how to be start becoming my own sort of person. Yeah, you think independently. Yeah, yeah. I feel like not to put words in your dad's mouth, but it must have come from just like an element of just like safety in general. Where it's, of just, where it's just, I mean, there's a lot of Londonisms that can come through, positive and negative, and you know, uh, going to outside of cities just changes a whole can change a worldview in some way Definitely. where you, you just um, where you introduce differently um, but so you, you're going on about uh, you got a guitar mm-hmm. it's time writing tunes I mean I have to I have to ask I, ask, I usually ask rappers this um, like uh, what, what are the first bars like but uh, I feel like it's applicable here what are the, what are the first bars <laughs> Oh, like so, my my first. Song. Yeah, what, what were the first, what were they like? What were they like? No, you don't have to like say uh, what it was about or anything. I can actually but... remember. Oh, really? Go on then. Go on. Go okay, so there was this. I was around the age of maybe fourteen now, um, thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. Starting to get involved in a few of my first bands. Yeah. Um, I so we were in music because we got we all had mandatory music lessons from the ages of seven to nine. Well, not seven, but year seven to year nine. Right. Um, and I had to write a song to get marks on. There was this girl who wasn't interested in me, mm-hmm. or basically I got with her and I, I dumped her. It's not that the relationship means anything with children. Um, and I tried to win her back by writing her song. Okay. The only lyric was, I know she doesn't care. Yeah. That's deep. <laughs> and I think the, the verse was like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I know she doesn't care. Now, wow. Pretty good song. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but yeah, so right. that was the first proper song I'd written with, with lyrics. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not going to sing it because I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> I haven't got enough auto tune here. Nah, no, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dancer. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, man. Usually people, I, I feel like people don't usually remember like their first anything. Um, being with that said, I remember like, uh, for me, like the first script I wrote. Um, it was just like some shitty TV pilot where like um, uh, three random free dudes just like win the lottery. Nice. And so that was basically just the premise of the show. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't, it's, not, it's not as good as uh, I think yours in terms of just like quality, I feel like. Uh, I, I don't know how my mate found it, but my mate found it and he roasted me for it. I was just like, damn, that wasn't supposed to be seen. Um, but yeah, uh, I, yeah, it is what it is. But anyway, um, I feel that uh, <laughs> you said you were joining, um, joining groups at that point. Yep. So, and I, I've, I feel like I've uh, been semi in this like, kind of circles where like people, uh, I know like a few people that just like jump from a group to us make another group and then do like this so is that usually just like the case where I don't know it's just based on what kind of essence you have towards certain people and it's just like alright this ain't working let's change it up I feel like um, especially in my environment we had so after year 9 you had those people who like really loved music they really liked the alternative scene and we right. all kind of gravitate towards each other so everyone was starting their own bands whether it was with people from other schools, whether it was people with their best friends, say. Um, the first band I joined was a band called Aspersion, which was myself, um, my best friend, and it was like a random basis that we weren't really friends with. Um, and yeah, that didn't last very long. The music was terrible. <laughs> but then we had, a, we had a rival group called Behind These Lies, uh, uh, which was formed with two of our other best friends. Um, some amazing guitarists called Peter Chuong and just a couple other dudes. So they tried to do their thing. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's always Audi driving. Always right? Audi. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, they tried to do their own thing. It didn't work. Oh shit, it didn't work. So we decided, how about we kind of put our heads together and just make one decent band with just our best friend little group um, and yeah it it was it was pretty good you could still find our projects online we are called As You're Falling and we released an EP called Divergence um, that was in must have been like 2012 mm. it was okay did pretty well um, and yeah it was I've got a lot of affinity towards heavy metal what we did because it was a learning curve big yeah. time um, so while I was doing that I was also in a um, another band, I can't even remember the name, but we played a few shows. It was like an indie rock band and I had to scream a little bit. But I got very sick of um, screaming and that sort of loud guitars and deafening tones very quickly. So I wanted to make R&B. Yeah. So I spent a few years trying to trying to hone that. That's a huge leap. It's a, it's a big leap, but it's... So if I actually explain it in detail, so I went from... It. So I was in a heavy metal band, mm -hmm. writing these songs, but mm -hmm. I was taking a lot of my influences from um, indie bands. Right. So I was now getting into like my sort of indie phase, listening to a lot of Arctic Monkeys, Two Door Cinema Club, 
um, foals, everything, everything. And I kind of thought to myself, like, I'd rather make indie. That's when I joined the other band. Right. Um, and then I decided, actually, this isn't really me. It doesn't suit my voice. How about I make beats? Make beats? Make beats, yeah, like, as we all do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much, ignore my diatribe, but that's pretty much it. No, in terms great. of um, the indie music, anyway. Yeah. Heavy metal, indie music, and then a little hiatus, start making beats. Yeah. So, on to the R&B tip, because obviously you were talking about your first um, independent exploring was obviously just heavy metal and indie music and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so were you also in your, let's just say, growth phase, like, were you also listening to R&B or? Oh yeah, definitely. Sure. Definitely. Um, I was still keeping up with, who was I listening to? Obviously, Drake. I right. was just, whatever was in the top 40, really. Right. Um, D'Angelo, I was really into him. Of course, Pharrell, Kanye. Like eight oh eight and heartbreaks, mm -hmm. like that project changed my life. Yeah, I thought it was, I think that's his best album, only because it touched me the most. Sure. Um, we all know like Dark Twisted Fantasy is his magnum opus. But. Sure, sure. So yeah, I was, I was always. I think R and B has been a very consistent thing just because of the yeah. household I grew up in. Yeah. Um, like a lot of Usher, as mm. well. So yeah, that never really went away. It's just other things, other genres or styles start to take more of a focus when I started creating mm. or trying to create um, stuff like it. Yeah, I didn't mean to ask um, beforehand uh, what kind of music was like your family exposing you to? Um, Fela Kuti, Okay, yeah. A lot of um, the African sort of highlight music which is something I, in the future, want to get into. Okay. Um, it's probably one of the reasons why there's a band called uh, Vampire Weekend. Mm -hmm. And they used to, you know, right? Um, no, yeah. They take a lot of their influences from like African sort of highlight sort of music. Really? Like, yeah, big time. So when I came to my indie phase, I was really like influenced by what they were doing. I really loved what they were doing. Right. Um, so yeah, a lot of highlight, a lot of gospel. Yeah. Like every Sunday we'd be listening to gospel music all the time. <laughs> I, not that I, I didn't really like it that much, but just, um, the harmonies are crazy, but right. it was never my thing. Right. Never my thing. <laughs> you, as soon as you said it, it just yeah. immediately sounded tiny. Also, my, my dad did love, <laughs> my dad did love listening to a lot of jazz. Okay. But one time he sat me down by his computer because he was using LimeWire to just rip. Shout out, shout out LimeWire. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Torrent the hell of music. Yeah. So he kind of gave me that sort of vibe. Mm -hmm. um, he loved his rap. A lot of DMX. He actually got me into 50 Cent. Um, so yeah, like a pretty wide array of music. Mm. Like, yeah. That's very fascinating. Um, I always enjoy thinking about just connections between like um, certain genres of music and there's always links that are kind of because uh, there's always a link in some ways between like hip-hop and metal music that people have i personally can't find that link in but I, I understand it but i can't like personally get into it 
is just like a blockage there for me personally. But then I see like Ice T winning a fucking Grammy for like Best Metal Album, and I'm just like, you see, here I, we are. <laughs> I understand it because think about it. There's so you've got artists like Bones, who he's rapping, mm -hmm. he starts screaming, and he's on like a hip hop record. Yeah. And also, if you put him on a a heavy metal record, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like Suicide Boys as well. Yeah. Um, they transverse that line between hip hop and metal, and it's the same sort of. Yeah. Not all hip hop, but it's the same sort of aggressive in your face energy, like fucking yeah. energy. It's an energy thing. Yeah. It's, it's just the energy. Because, um, yeah, if like seeing like um, a Denzel Curry, for example. Big time. Big time. Literally listening to Taboo, which is just that kind of for me, where it's just like, oh, this is kind of getting metal. I'm even, feeling it. Even X. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. But he was, yeah. It can definitely blend. Um, so let's jump right to the music. Um, obviously, you've uh, miss. Thank you. Thank you very much. Did you? You didn't work in drinks, did you? No, we didn't. Oh, no, we didn't. <laughs> Appreciate it. Oh, we got our food, ladies and gentlemen. I got waffle fries, and he's got chicken and waffles. Ooh. And they look like the pancakes, but. Chicken and waffles. But yeah, um, on the music side of yours, yourself, obviously, um, it's uh, more R&B now. Yep. Um, how was the uh, how was that transition for you um, in terms of just moving? Because um, you said it was a year long pro years long process. So okay, to put things in perspective, I so while I was making beats and trying to connect with other rappers and musicians, yeah, um, I I decided you know what. I want to have a go at singing. I can hear some flows in my head. I can hear some melodies. How about I have a go? Yeah. But I didn't start trying to get on my records until I think it was 20, 2018. And I had left the heavy metal band, or we went on a hiatus, indefinite hiatus, okay. in about 20, I think it was 2012, okay. 2012 to 2013. So that process took at least seven, eight years. Or like, yeah, about six, seven years. So what were you doing those, not, not to stop you in the tracks, but where like, what, what were you doing in those eight, eight or so years instead? Working. Yeah? Just, just working, being a NPC, just a, <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> just, just rat racing. Just in a co-op in a rat race, <laughs> trying, to, trying to buy my first property, aye, aye, working aye. a job I bloody dislike. Uh, I was working in London even. Fair play, yeah. Um, but I feel like when you are, once you open Pandora's box of creativity, oh yeah, it's very very hard to close it. Yeah. Even if you take ten years out and you try to do something else, it's it's impossible. It's just a part of your brain you've unlocked and you can't close. If you close it, you feel like you're losing something. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that definitely. There's um, I I an interviewed artist a few months ago and she, similar to you, actually kind of just went on a hiatus for herself. Um, after just not doing hip hop for like, uh, I forgot how many years, but a few years, just like uh, raise a kid and then just live life as you said, the NPC life. And then she just came back last year and it's just like, okay, damn. Like, 
you just you just start off like that and she made it kind of sound easy in terms of just getting back into it in some ways but it is interesting thinking about that how because i've i've personally i've just uh, always just been very stubborn in that fashion of just like not even thinking about doing something else like you find your <laughs> I was listening. I was listening to your stuff uh, last night, and it was, uh, I had to look up what Raison Detriment because uh, it's one name one of your tracks. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was, nice. I was, I was Raison Detriment. It was just like you know, basically your purpose, and that I was just like, oh damn, okay, fair enough. I literally found that shit like sixteen, bro. I'm so like, I I don't want to do any of this. I don't I don't want to do you know this. I know what I want to do, so exactly. why don't I be stubborn as shit to do that? People call it stubbornness, I call it principles, you know what I mean? It's, it's, how, you, it's how you view it. But um, yeah, I feel I feel you on that front in terms of just like having that, it doesn't leave you. It never leaves you. It does not leave you when you have, when you started on it and when you, especially when you built upon it and built a foundation for yourself, you're just mm. like, like once you have that foundation, you can do whatever you want, like you, like you were saying. Like you went from a freaking, you went from metal guitar and being in the, in, you know, and transition from that. It's fascinating. Yeah, so Carry yes, on. it's funny you listen to that track. Um, I said, so I say one thing in that track. I say, um, I, I say I'm gonna live forever, not to try and be obnoxious, but to kind of say like, look, we live in this internet world. Yep. Whether I disappear for five years or not, I'm still gonna be here because you're still gonna hear my creations. I'm still gonna be putting stuff out, whether I'm 80 or whether I'm whatever. Yep. But so it took me a while to find that reason to be a reason reason for creating yeah i started off making track um under under the name olua olua so it's it was under my label name now it's called only the stands for only losers win happily okay it's kind of like an ego death sort of thing yeah yeah um and then i decided actually this is not filling my cup this is not what I want to do. It's not emotive enough. Right. I still feel like something's missing. I'm yep. still in a rat race because I'm doing what everyone else is trying to do. Uh huh. Um, I then tried to start singing on those tracks. Made a really nice track with, with my friend um, Ryan Shaw Hawkins. It was called Like You, and that got quite a lot of traction. Uh-huh. Did pretty well, mm-hmm. which I was quite happy about. But still, there was something missing because I wanted to. I wanted to build a character. I think. During this time, I was listening to a lot of um, Odd Future, watching Tyler, Old Sweatshirt, Frank Ocean come up. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, you know what? I could probably do something like this. Like, all I need is confidence. And throughout the years, um, becoming treasure first, I built some confidence there, released a lovely track with Freak Slug, which was signed to Nice Guys label and did really well. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, because because I can't, I'd kind of tainted my sound by, I was experimenting with sound still. And I feel like I tainted my sound. I tried, I now, this was like two years ago. Yeah. I decided that I wanted to start again as Treasure Bloom and rebuild something that I feel will last and something that actually represents mm-hmm. my mindset now and for the future. So, Definitely. What does the name Treasure Bloom mean to, um, to you personally? Okay, so Treasure, initially I was called Treasure, and that was, um, that was because I wanted every little creation to be a little treasure, not even for somebody else, but for myself, really. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a diary. Yeah. 
Um, I can listen to a song and I know exactly where I was when I created that song. I, I know exactly what feelings I was feeling. Um, and Blue, I have a... Basically, I felt like only now, only recently, I've actually been coming into coming out of my shell. Like, almost like blooming. Yeah. I feel like I'm in my spring right now. And yeah. The possibilities are endless. Yeah. Hence, uh, hence the blue. Yeah. So, on the project front, um, I saw that uh, you kind of had a similar name structure from Nostalgia, and uh, there was a prelude as well, and stuff like that. Um, why, well, why Nostalgia specifically? What does that kind of just particular title have to you? Because I feel like there's a, a storyline there, obviously, you know, with prelude and stuff like that. So? We eating good, ladies and gentlemen. We eating good. Don't worry about the dinner. <laughs> so basically, nostalgia the prelude. Uh huh. It was almost like a like the end of an era. I actually, originally released that as treasure. Yeah. Um, I'd already written the songs for nostalgia. Okay. Um, but I wanted to make sure that the transition wasn't like I then jumped straight to that sort of sound. Yeah. Um. So Nostalgia of the Prelude was kind of... It was a lot of... Um, like I, I wrote a song on there called Posey, which is just about relationships. Um, I won't go into detail. And the last song, the thing that, that, means, um, that means the most on that project is the last song, which is only about a couple, like a minute long, was kind of... Was, I was coming to a place where I was ready to let go of all my trauma, um, let go with all of the all of the ideals I had in my head that were holding me back, mm -hmm. and really like put my heart on the line. Yeah. Hence why the first song on nostalgia is is nostalgia, because I'm now writing a song to. It's basically a song to my best friend. Um, I went through a lot of a lot of trauma, I won't say it on record, but yeah. basically I ended up displaced and I had to I had to live at his family's house for about a year mm. and it basically um, saved my life. Like we, we talk about mental health, but um, especially when it comes to men, sometimes it's so hard to find that support and I found that support and it enabled me to move on to the next chapter of my life. So that's kind of what nostalgia was about for me. Nostalgia the Prelude was just, it was just a letting go, it was just trying to sum up my trauma about like just kind of where I've been and then nostalgia was kind of like the acceptance of all of that bullshit. Yeah. And like if you look through the track list of nostalgia, yeah, yeah. Or nostalgia the Prelude, yeah. um, you'll see I talk about isolation, I talk about um, yeah. Yeah. Even the name. Do even the names. It's just the names. It's, Isolation, it's very, acceptance. It's very like straightforward. Yeah. Nostalgia is where like the real confidence comes in, and I start. Like hence, like the, I think the last track on there is called "Stepping Out." Yes. I wanted, yeah. I don't even like the song. But then I do, <laughs> but it, it means a lot because I was sure. I was feeling I was feeling very good at that time. Very good at that time. About, yeah, definitely. Wasn't life anyway. Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned that you started um, obviously making beats for yourself and obviously uh -huh. this 
Is it, is everything just produced by yourself? Everything. 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 I am. Um, I've worked with a few producers. I worked yep. with a guy. It's a guy in Russia called Mellow Mind. Okay. Sometimes he'll send me like a drum beat. I'll chop it up and like kind of um, chop it up and add like melodies and just whatever to it, and then we'll just go from there. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I. I tend to just work on my own, just in my own little lab. Yeah, how did you, um, how was that uh, starting process? Because obviously you had years of, you know, songwriting experience and, you know, you, you had that uh, in your belt, but obviously production's a, you know, different thing and a lot of people don't, um, a lot of people, I guess, don't uh, attempt, even attempt that kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So to do both and to do everything, so to speak, um, you know. I feel like we start, we've only started recently giving people credit for that kind of thing, to do mm-hmm. everything. You know, your JPEG Mafias and uh, uh, Red Veils, Tyler obviously doing mm-hmm. his own production as well, as you mentioned. Um, so yeah, how was that, I guess, starting process of actually doing production for yourself? I would actually go on record saying I'm more of a producer than I am a songwriter or singer. Fascinating. Um, I've definitely put in more hours producing music for myself and other people than I have I'm actually honing my songwriting craft. Okay. Um, production is a, as long as I have the want to produce, like I've got a story to tell, I yeah. can produce something very quickly. Like it comes naturally. Okay. But in terms of the songs, like songwriting, I have to live life. Sure. There's no, you're not, I'm not this sort of artist who's going to be churning out a record after record mm-hmm. every week. I, I just, I just don't see the point. Yeah. I'll I'll go out into the world, live my life, I'll have something to talk about, and then I'll release it because I've got something to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you shouldn't feel forced to try and stay relevant by releasing loads of music of course. all the time. Of course. But for some people it works, don't get me wrong, but for me it never did. So I, I spend most of my time producing. Um, whether that's writing songs for companies or Writing beats for people, or melody ideas for people to use. That's interesting. As, a, as an answer, I didn't expect, obviously, because I come. <laughs> your um, the the music that um, you do, in my opinion, comes off as um, very obviously vulnerable, mm-hmm. and for me, that comes through in how you're singing and and the lyrics as well. So, for you to say that you uh, see yourself more as a producer than that, it's kind of interesting and very impressive actually kind of thinking about it um i forgot which uh i think i think what song it was i think it'll stay safe but like there's this little uh, there's this little beat pattern in between in between like hooks where like is it like the stutter yeah it's like a ref- yeah like dun, 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 dun. <laughs> i was like damn this is <laughs> i was like i have to ask about the production man because that was crazy but um yeah no that's that's that's, that's super interesting actually um on your production side i find it very fascinating um so you kind of mentioned that obviously you see yourself as an artist that has to you know live life and and, and um, to actually refuel in that in that sense you can't it's not conveyor belt for you and I appreciate that in a lot of ways um, uh, in just terms of being organic with it um, I feel like I feel like people you know now in more recent days it's obviously um, more. You know, where's where's the album? Where's this? Where's that? True. 
and um, you know it's respectable to actually just not. I'm sure you do feel pressure on that front to you know keep. I don't know. I mean, I'll ask you that. Do you feel sometimes pressure when you just when you feel like you're not? Do you ever feel like you're not doing enough or? Mm. Or you feel like I haven't done this in a minute. Uh, yeah, do you ever feel that kind of pressure to yourself? Alright, so I used to feel that way. Yeah. Especially when I first started producing, when I start, first started releasing this treasure, um, even this treasure room. Sure. But then I started to find other things outside music that fuel my, that kind of fuel my reason to be. Yeah. Whether that's from fitness or. Like making treatments for music videos or just um just studying reading like i music isn't for me it's not about the competition now i don't need music to make money okay um, I'm, I'm okay on that front yeah i don't need to stay relevant because oh wow how am i going to be able to feed myself if i'm not relevant or getting the streams so i can create purely honest music with people i really want to create with yeah um of course there's always going to be when it comes to releasing music there's always going to be slight pressure because you do want to hit your metrics but even then i don't want to be cliche but it is what it is like the right people are going to hear your music it's not it's, it's just not not really an issue for me yeah no i i, I overuse that phrase as well <laughs> it's just, even if I just like other stuff I tell you it's like nah he's weird I hear it work <laughs> in professional meetings that's what it is oh gosh yeah no. oh god damn but yeah um, so I'm obviously here for a reason and uh, you have a show um, coming through mm-hmm. um, tonight what do you um, I mean you said you're gonna see it as like a oh, 15, 15 song minute set um, so pretty quick uh, what do you consider? Um, what do you consider your best trait about doing, about being, about being live in terms of your performance? Um, I never actually used to like performing live. I was always quite afraid. Um, performing live in a metal band was easy because I, I could have it have my guitar and just play some fat riffs. Yeah. But <laughs> when you actually have to stand on stage and sing and perform with no other frills or bells or whistles on the stage with you. It's really um, nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. But I, I've come to I've come to like it. Um, I think the most in my favourite thing about performing um, would definitely be actually curating your set list. So I I performed at Melt Festival a few a few months back and I made a very high energy set list. Like I was performing, it's funny this, but I was performing rock songs. I was performing sort of garage, up-tempo, rock-infused songs. Even getting to the point where I was even screaming sometimes. Yeah. And also like my heavier like sort of hip-hop tracks. Well, not hip-hop tracks, but R&B tracks. But then tonight, because because of the people who are coming, because of the venue it's in, I'm performing some very mellow tunes, like Nostalgia, um, Sweet Child, I think you heard that last time. Um, just keeping it very mellow. So I think when you perform live, you can, t- if you have a big discography, you can tailor your set towards a live audience, and I love that. 
it's, it's cool to have that's cool to have in your belt because I feel like um, um, when you see some um, when you see a certain artist most of the time it is usually just that that one thing that they have mm -hmm. and you love them for it and obviously that's what you want to see um, but it's interesting the fact that you can have that different tool belt mm. and say I, I'm going here let's switch up different energy and you actually have the catalogue to do that mm -hmm. and the and the chops to do that I feel like um, live so being involved in this process of selling these tickets yeah live is difficult sure and that's when you really start to see whether you have fans or not or whether people people actually want to see um, mm. you perform I don't want to perform live too much okay. and also I don't want to perform the same thing at every set people are going to get bored and it's going to get dry um, I want to keep that as fresh as possible for a long time so that's one of the reasons why I do it it's very interesting what do you um in terms of uh, I guess uh, you know looking forward um, you say you try not to go live too much <laughs> but is funny enough this is the second time I'm going to see you uh, yep. live so um, but yeah in terms of like the future and pertain uh, to your you know your music especially um, what are you seeking on that front so it's funny it's for me music especially this iteration has always been um, about release if there's a lot of tension within myself Usually I'll, I can find some very good songs or even a project that comes out of it. Uh -huh. um, I, I want to be able to look back. Um, look back, listen to my music, even with my family, and tell them stories of where I've been, the things I've done, the people I've seen, um, the lessons I've learned. Just through my music. It's not even... It's not even something that maybe everybody in the world needs to relate to, but if I understand why I created a specific song at a specific time, I'm going to be able to relate that to my children and my family. Um, it's basically a time capture. It's not. It's nothing like, oh wow, I'm trying to be a star. I want to be a mogul. I'm trying to do whatever. There's so many ways to get rich in this world. It's not. You don't have to get rich with music by force. Like it's not. It's not a thing. I just want to be able to remember like the best memories. Some people journal, I create songs. So I'd like to finish on um, two questions. And the uh, first one is, uh, what do you what have you been um, listening to, reading, watching, what have you been consuming that um, you'd recommend to the people? Okay, so I've been reading a book, I've got who it's by, but it's called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's, um, it's by a psychologist who, who basically speaks about how people who have unresolved tensions in their past, whether it's like psychological trauma, or physical trauma, mm -hmm. they tend to suffer, mostly psychological trauma, they tend to suffer physically. So there's things you can do to kind of alleviate those systems, or those symptoms. 
like kind of almost getting used to your body again, exercising a little bit, um, just getting to know yourself again. So I think it's a powerful book if um, you're trying to either get over something or you're just trying to better yourself and understand yourself as a human. Mm -hmm. So I've been reading that. Listening to, um, there's an album I keep on going back to, and that's um, Sabah's Carefully. Okay. I love that project so much. Um, I hate to say this, but I, I feel like that's his magnum opus. Sure. I listened to his new project and it was oh, it's really good. Yep. He didn't touch that. <laughs> he just did it. Um, I think he was dealing with, I don't know if it's the death of his friend or brother. So those feelings were insanely raw on that project. Um, yeah, stuff like Prom King, right? Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, my. Epic storyteller. Such a good storyteller. Very good writer. But I feel like I didn't get the same thing on on his newer project, but I still love the project. Mm -hmm. So I've been listening to, yeah, Sabah Care for me. Um, Triathlon. Um, they've released a project called Spin. And I feel like it's probably one of their best pieces because it shows just... Um, just all the facets that they have, whether they're kind of like rapping a little bit or they're making like some very distinctive indie tunes, it's, it's amazing to be honest. Okay, but yeah, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, that's all. I listen to Beyonce's new project. Yeah. I prefer Drake's. I'm just gonna go on record saying that. Drake's what? Drake's project. He released a, a house project, didn't he? Oh right. Okay. Have you listened to it? No. Oh my bro, you have to. You have to listen to it. I don't have to listen to it. <laughs> you have to. Oh, right. I don't have to some of the to lyrics it. are questionable, <laughs> but he's got some, he's got some bangers on there. <laughs> oh please! I just want to hear your opinion. The ship sailed, bro. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hopping on that ride anymore. Uh, that's, I'm, I'm done with that. Well, when did it? When did it sail? When did it sail? Take care. Uh, Nothing was the same. No, 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 no. It's, it's no. Well, well. For me, it was just like I, I started. Fucking hell. And the amount of times I say to myself, I'm never talking about Drake again. Like, um... So no, nah, I just... <laughs> oh, gosh. No, nah, it's... I just, I just don't... I just don't see it. I just don't feel it. I mean, I just don't feel it. Like, I just, let's put it simply. Like, I've, I've written about it. I've talked about it for years. It's just... I just can't see it. Uh, I, I respect... I respect the... Uh, Tenacity? Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, that's a good word for it. My bad. No worries. Uh, yeah, that, that. Just to, just to continue doing it. But there's just stuff that irks me, like within the, within it, within the way of moving. It just, I don't know. It's just, uh, it just, it doesn't, doesn't rub me the right way. He's a vulture. We all know. Thank you. There we so, go. Great. Okay, I, I was, I was, I was tiptoeing around. It. Yes, he, he wave rides. He's yes, a, he's, he wave rides. He's a vulture. He, he wave rides. But yeah, no, uh -huh. it's just, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that. I just, it ethically, it just jars me sometimes. But um, yeah, I mean, if people if people like the house music, they like the house music. I feel like it's weird how trends come about where I'm just like, who the hell started this, and why are people just jumping onto it again? Like, I don't like I like I liked Renaissance. It was fun. It was a fun listen. What about um, the Kendrick album? Oh, yeah, I want to hear your opinion. Come oh, on, gosh, let's go. I did three episodes on him a few <laughs> a few months ago, Richard. <laughs> Did like all just free pop retrospectives on you, like listening to his mixtapes and then like spending an hour talking about Mr. Morale. Uh, I wanted to get into that. Yeah, nah, it's um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I put simply, I, I'm fine with it. It's not my favorite project. Um, I feel like he he did he went down like the Im I'm imperfect route, but you can still be imperfect and just still trim and not have Kodak black on your shit. Um, you know what I mean? Like you don't have to be imperfect in every sense of the freaking word. You don't have to go that deep into it. Um, but and obviously you know just you know I read an article about Arnie, a few articles about Arnie Diaries and I was just like yeah it's a good question of asking who is that for. And, you know, while I respect the fact they even attempted to do it, because no one else is going to attempt to do that, especially at the, at the artistic peak that he is, and also the commercial peak that he is at, you know, it's respectable on that front to even give it a go. But I'm not trying to hear you say the F word so many times, bro. I'm just not, I'm just not here for it. I, it makes me cringe. I'm not even part of that community. It's just like, it's, it jars me sometimes. But, um, yeah, there's just a lot of things that jar me about the album that just make me not want to listen to it. Like if someone, I mean, I don't, I can't even imagine the situation where someone would put it on, uh, like you know, not not chilling with the homies in the whip, like going, yo, let's put on Mr. Morale, guys. Like, it's not gonna happen. But uh, you know, if it comes on in any fashion, like you know, I'm not gonna go, oh no, skip. But yeah, I, it's it's <sighs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> I, I feel like he, he did what he needed to do to appeal to the common denominator, but when it comes to actual songs in my personal opinion i thought father time of sampler was a lovely song incredible sure song. yeah yeah I definitely would have loved to hear it on a different project yeah objectively it's great yeah. um because i couldn't really so i i'm quite obsessive in the in the fact that if i hear a project that really gets to the core of what i like love about music i'll listen to it again and again and again on all my car journeys yeah Kendrick's album, newest album, didn't do it for me. Sure. After one or two listens, I'd already got everything I needed. Yeah. There's a few songs that I could play over and over again, but yeah, it's just, it's not a for me. Section 80 was one of those projects I could really get with. Also, um, Good Kid, Mad City, I could really get with that. Yeah. But I do believe, personally, feel that this album was a step up from Damn. Damn, I did. But when I saw it live, I did not really like it. Yeah, I saw him in the O2, yeah, for, for that as well. It's pretty good. And I'm going to go see him live again. I'm seeing this. All right, fair enough. Well, there you go. You say all that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I say all that again. Uh, oh, man. It's the experience that matters, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess so. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. I, I, I don't like arena shows that much. I feel like most artists don't really fulfill it. Fulfill, like, the, the, the occasion that it can bring. Um, like you know i see like uh i remember like i did see ed sheeran but like i saw like videos of ed sheeran performing it's just him and the guitar bro and i'm just like brother you can do that in there you can do it in the pub around the corner why aren't wow. you doing that with 80k people like that big ass stage is just you and a guitar it just doesn't because ed sheeran's a businessman <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that, that yeah the money saved the money saved on that yeah the money saved on just that yeah crazy I can imagine, but yeah, I just, I don't know, bro, it's just, yeah, just, if you're going to do that, like, you know, do, do what Bruce Springsteen does now, like, he's, he's still touring, but he does it in, like, intimate venues where, like, only, like, 50 people can get in, That's amazing. and, like, imagine that, that is crazy if you were, like, a big Bruce Springsteen fan, like, that'd be, that'd be life-changing for you, to see him, like, so up close, mm. That's why I like the jazz cafe around the corner, because I just, you know, I can just dap, dap people up if I, if I, you know, if I wanted to, um, but yeah. That was fun. Yeah, it was. Fun segue. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to finish on uh, what I always finish on, uh, which is asking what is your top five. 
Uh, it can be as broad or as specific as you want it to be. It can be about nothing we have talked about during this interview. It's your top five, so make it your own. Top five. Or top I, I five. Love, um... Top five anything. <laughs> could be, could be. Oh my! I'm just trying to think. Do I? Nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with it. Okay. I. Do you need to know what top five it is, or can I just guess? <laughs> you give it to me, and I'll try and guess. All right. First of all, I'm gonna go with Africa. Africa. Okay. Africa. Um, I'm next go with Chinese. Okay. Good one. Good one. I got it. Continue. Um, now I would go with. Oh, I can't make this. No, it's gonna make it so obvious. <laughs> Latino. Okay. Um, I'm in the grey again. Yes. <laughs> um. What else? Croatian. No, now I'm reading the group. Okay. Okay, and what's the last one? Jeez. Oh. Blackanese. What the fuck is that? <laughs> hey, yo. yo, what the fuck? I'll tell you. Alright, so I initially, I you tell me, oh, I can't even sew on wax. Oh, that's oh. that's painful, man. You can't do that to the people. Oh no. Get some engagement going. Oh no. Oh, you guys can't know. That's a shame. Oh, oh. nice. Easy guess, though. What do you mean? Easy. I mean, I initially thought it was food, but like, 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 type of top five takeaways or some shit. And then you started going Croatian <laughs> and black and knees. What the fuck? That tells you all you need to know. Black and knees. The only bl this is this is this is how annoying life life is. Because like the only the only thing when I hear black and knees now is because I've I've been recently seeing like on Twitter people gassing up the Rush Hour films because they were just like stupidly racist but still <laughs> stupid stupid hilarious. And I want and uh, Chris Tucker at some point just goes I'm black and knees. That's, that's, that's all I have in my head, so I have fucking no idea, but damn. I mean, unlucky guys, I mean, you, you guys ain't gonna know, but I will in a second, but yeah. You'll probably guess it. <laughs> if you know. Hey, if you guys get it, like, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know if, if you got it or not, but yeah, that's black and ease. That just threw me off for a fucking loop, and creation as well, but. I feel uh, like whoever guesses it should get a prize. <laughs> get some sort of prize. Hey man. A vinyl of their choice. It's, if it's not over the price of a hundred quid, okay. I'll That's cover, good. I'll cover that. That's not bad, is it? I kinda wanna guess it now. <laughs> I got a few I've got a few on my list, like hit me up. Um I'll be yeah, I'll get oh, for, for the sake of time I'll just give up. Uh Treasure Bloom, it's been a pleasure. Decent food? How's, yeah, how's the food? You like my food? Yeah, it was good. What was the what was the white stuff? White stuff? Um, I think it was like sour cream. Sour cream? Okay, fair yeah. enough. Um, but yeah, waffle fries were decent. I don't uh, waffle fries are probably just like the best fries in my opinion. Like just yeah. any fries. They're nice. They're just they're light. They're crispy. They get the job done. But yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. Been real enlightening. And uh, yeah, man, just looking forward to the, obviously the show tonight. And uh, I hope you enjoy. And obviously everything. Ble all blessings for the future. I'm sure we'll meet again. Definitely, definitely, definitely. <laughs>
So there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was my interview with Mr. Treasure Bloom. As I said in the interview, he had a show, a performance uh, that night. And uh, like I said, um, on my photography tip, um, I did take photos throughout that uh, night uh, of all the artists involved. And uh, that will come uh, in conjunction with this episode. It will drop at the same time. Uh, so go peep the links in the full show notes. Go peep the Otis Menster interview if you want to go spin. Uh, go peep my, site, uh, my photography site if you want. And uh, just see... Uh, the myriad of faces that appear um, that night. Um, it was a very special uh, just day, honestly. I feel um, it's it's incredibly fulfilling um, to ha- be able to do, you know, two of my passions at the same time in the same day and have them in conjunction with each other. It's the first time I'm doing that with this episode. And, uh, yeah, I hope to do this uh, type of thing uh, where I combine everything uh more often um that is the hope that's definitely the hope but with that said we shall leave it there ladies and gentlemen thanks for listening thanks to treasure bloom once again be sure to peep his music uh, treasure bloom everywhere um really great stuff um especially into just r&b fused with a lot of things um just incredible just incredible music uh, so hopefully you guys are inspired to give that a spin and with that said, we shall leave it there. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth End Podcast Network, I would try to say this has been most good. Intro music has been backed up by Bart Berrigan. Interlude music was to wherever by Guyvers. Thanks to Chill Music for these used both tracks. You can find all of their links in the full show notes. And with that said, until the next time, until the next interview, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen.